degenerates gamblers how is everybody doing this evening welcome to the very first episode of the dead lock podcast you know the two of our faces very well my name is clint i'm from the diehard mma podcast this is my guy man preet from mma lock of the night and the very first thing we want to do is thank each and every one of you jumping in for our very first show lock how you doing tonight man I'm good, man. I, you know, we've been both psyched about this since we uh, dropped the news that we're going to be doing this. And God damn, today, like, it, it felt like a whirlwind and stuff, getting everything ready and, and you know, really making sure that we had our uh, I's dotted and our T's crossed. And I feel like we got a great show ahead for these guys. And yeah, I, dude, I'm stoked. I'm so excited for this. You have no idea. <laughs> Dude, I, I'm right there with you, and it's funny because somebody asked me a couple weeks ago on my own podcast about, uh, you know, whether or not I get nervous going on live stream or anything like that before. And I think I confessed this to you backstage like a week or two ago. But I'm like, honestly, I'm an attention hog. I don't get nervous. Like nerves aren't a thing for me when I go on live stream and I talk about fights. I do my homework. I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. This show, on the other hand, <laughs> this is something entirely new, and I have had nerves all day. I still got some butterflies in my tummy, so like I'm I'm pumped up for this man, and I'm excited. Um, first off, again, thank you everybody showing up to hang out and watch the show. We're gonna disappoint about fifty percent of you <laughs> right off the bat. I'm gonna throw you a little curveball here. We're gonna let you know what the Deadlock Podcast is, and I know the majority of you follow us because we're sports bettors, because we're gamblers. And what we do is we break down these fight cards and we let you know where we're putting our money, try to get you some spots where you can get some action down and make some cash on fights. That is not what the Deadlock Podcast is. Folks, before my guy Locke and I ever started gambling, we were fans. We loved watching the UFC. I would drag my girlfriend over and make her sit down and watch six hours of people punching each other and tell her when people were going for triangles and what they were setting up when they were rolling around on the floor so she could kind of understand what was happening. And what we've realized is that we kind of got away from that doing all this betting. We would sit down and anytime Locke and I do a podcast together, we go off on tangents for 15 straight minutes. We start talking about something and get to joking and laughing about it. And then we got to shut it down because you know what? We've got another fight to cover. So what this show is, is to get out that fan energy. We're going to go over current events with MMA, UFC, PFL, Bellator, whatever's going on in the uh, MMA sphere right now. That's what we're going to cover in this show. And we're also going to have some fun. We got some really cool segments that we came up for you. We got a couple games we're going to play. Like this is going to just just be a good time. And right now what we're planning on doing is uh, doing this show every other week. So bi-weekly on Wednesdays, same time, same place as we are right now. And you know what? If we can get some support, if we can get the ball rolling, who knows? Maybe we bump that up to a weekly show. But to start, we're going to keep it going on uh, bi-weekly. Luck, did I miss anything, my guy? Dude, you hit the nail on the head, man. You, you pretty much covered everything I wanted to. The, the two things I feel like you just messed out on uh, in regards to where the show is going to be. So for January and February, the show will be on my channel, which is where you guys are watching this right now. Uh, but come March, we're going to switch it over to the Deadlock Podcast channel. And you guys can find all that information in the description below. So make sure you guys go subscribe over there so you're ready once we make the move over to the other channel. Uh, in terms of podcasting, I had some people ask me, is it going to be on your feed? Is it going to be on a different feed? Right now, like I said, it's going to be on my Lock of the Night uh, feed. Uh, that's all podcast podcasting platforms, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Uh, but then come March, we're going to set up another feed where all the audio stuff will go to uh for a strictly a deadlock podcast home base uh but yeah uh clint you, you pretty much nailed it dude I, I miss talking just mma man as soon as monday rolls around a fight week it's just like all right let's talk bets uh, i'm always yep. thinking about betting and and line value and all that type of stuff that's something that's always on my mind but i just don't have that outlet anymore just to talk i, I want to talk and there's one thing in terms of conversing with people on twitter 
I don't like that really much. You know I mean, it, it's one <laughs> like you know that they're either really stubborn or they're just dumbasses or they're just trolls. But with you, like me and you, have a genuine chemistry where we can actually just talk about whatever the hell we want and have fun about it or have fun with it, and people watch and really enjoy it as well. So. Um, you know, we've how many shows have we done together? And every single time people are like, you guys should do a show together. You guys should yep. do a show together. Uh, you know, even if it's just MMA or betting, whatever the hell it is, do something. And I think that uh, putting our both both of our creative minds together here and, and our love for the sport, uh, I think we have a great show uh, for you guys that you guys are going to be able to watch on a biweekly basis. I can't wait, Clint. I can't wait. I'm stoked, man. I, I cannot wait either. I'm excited. I'm glad we finally got the ball rolling doing this thing. Uh, shout out real quick to Tajik Bay, Dono here, 1999. Happy for you guys. Uh, happy New Year to everybody. Best of luck. Thank you so much, Tajik. We appreciate you and always supporting the MMA community, of course. Um, Dennis Lee in the chat asking, will you guys do pre-taped segments? Maybe you guys can do some fight training or something. We have so many ideas, Dennis. And this is where the fan interaction and you guys really come in to make this thing a reality because Locke and I are dedicated to making the Deadlock podcast the best damn MMA show on the internet. We've got some stiff competition. The more support we get from you guys, the more we can do. It's going to be a slow grow to begin with because, you know, Locke's full-time, I'm not. Unfortunately, I still got the family and the day job, things like that. If we can transition this thing into being something big, there are tons of stuff that we can do and want to do. And those are the types of things that we would love to do at some point down the line. Um, Lou, real quick, asking if we'll keep doing the podcast <laughs> if the U.S. and Canada go to war with each other. Absolutely. The, I the don't think romance knows no bounds. I don't think this bond can be broken. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're I think we're set now. I think we're good. I think we're gonna get some solid traction on this. And in regards to the last question that was asked, I feel like me and you are so creative and so good at this stuff that as you know the the fan base starts to grow a little bit, uh, as the time starts to go on, we'll come up with even more ideas to you know add Absolutely. more fun segments and stuff, make you guys laugh, uh, make you guys think whatever the hell it is. We're done. You know, we already do so much betting content. Let us have some fun now. And I think we've created enough of a, a foundation and a fan base between both of us that we can uh, put something together that's uh, fun for everybody involved. Yep, I agree, man. And I think the people want some more fun too because at the end of the day, there's only so much betting content everybody can consume. I know even myself, I listen to NFL and NHL shows and podcasts and at the end of the day, you're just exhausted. You're like, man, yeah. like as, as much as I love making money, I just want to listen to something to like chill out and have a good time. So that's what we're doing here. And you know what? We'll stop patting ourselves on the ass at this point because we actually do have a show for you. Uh, coming back off of a long break, as everybody knows, we're all dying for MMA content right now. Luck, did you do anything fun over uh, Christmas, New Year's, anything like that? Did you do any uh, family celebrations, go on any trips? What what you got going on? Uh, honestly, not not a whole lot. Like uh, me me and me and the wife went to the zoo the other day. You know, I mean, while she was still on on the holidays. Uh, luckily, it was on Monday, and so there's like nobody there. Other people went to work and all that. So uh, we got a nice up close and personal with the cheetah and the tiger and all that type of stuff. So that was fun. Uh, went to go watch the new Spider-Man movie. So that was cool and all that. Uh, Christmas Day was great. You know, what I mean, obviously for those in the know, my I'm in an interracial marriage at the moment, and my wife from nowhere, Saskatchewan, loves her Christmas. As soon as December hits. Christmas music on, you know how it goes. Uh, but she put a, put together a great dinner for for me and the family. Uh, we opened gifts together in the morning, all that type of stuff. So uh, yeah, I was fully in the Christmas spirit uh, during the holidays. Uh, but for most of the part, uh, most of the time, just just sitting around watching Harry Potter movies with with the <laughs> wife and, and just kicking it with her, man. Because you know this this thing can really be a grind. And when we're uh, dedicating so much time to the MMA world, uh, we have to kind of remember that we have significant others and, and our family as well um to 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 look after and to care for as well so i was very happy to have that time and, and really uh i really enjoyed it man i'm sure you had a great time as well you can you can tell me uh how what you guys were doing over the holidays it's funny man i actually did something very similar to you we went to the zoo we took my daughter there she uh she wants to be a vet she's only six years old it's the funniest thing she's always playing with animal toys and shit like that um but we we just kind of took it easy chilled out and it sounds like your wife and i would get along really really well because i'm the same way man as soon as december turn you know what my so my wife's a halloween person and i'm a christmas person so like <laughs> as soon as halloween's over it's a battle of whether or not i can play christmas music during november <laughs> 
because she wants she wants to get by Thanksgiving before, and I'm ready to roll now. I'm I'm fighting every single day to keep our Christmas tree up right now. Like the longer I can stretch it out, the I'll, I'll take it every single day with that tree. I'll keep it up. <laughs> I just took it down. Literally, I took it down like maybe two hours ago. So uh, I'm sure my <laughs> wife was a little bit bummed when she came home and noticed that the Christmas decorations were down. But it's what it is. We got to move on. We got a new year to look forward to. That's right. That's right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I, I do want to say before we move on with, with everything here, I, I, I asked you about it earlier. You're down. So just for you, I purchased myself a nice fine bottle. Yes. A fireball. A full That's my guy. A fireball. So what we're going to do here just to celebrate, you know, the first episode uh you know hopefully kick things off in the right direction uh people enjoy the show might as well get a little loose right let's let's like crack it. this bottle you guys can you want some asmr right here see as you can tell mine is uh already already open <laughs> again not much of a fireball guy myself not much of a boozer myself but is what it is here i, I got my nice little las vegas shot glass that i got for my first ever trip to las vegas thought it would be apropos for this let's get that shot going clint i'm all set rocking the diehard mma shot glass here we I, go <laughs> we got to get some deadlock podcast shot glasses in hell yeah we enough. do cheers my brother and right, hopefully cheers. this is the beginning of a, a very successful venture for us and obviously everybody else involved cheers Agreed. cheers <laughs> it has been a long time since i've had a fireball shot <laughs> I used to down fireballs and Red Bulls back in the day in high school, but Ooh, that sounds it's been terrible. a long time. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It really wasn't that bad. <laughs> of course, it. my guy Lee Lee McLaughlin smoking a bowl for Locke right now. Yes, that is, I am more of the green rather than the brown. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. We got that out of the way. We got the shot. Cheers to everybody. We got 87 live viewers. Do us a favor, smash that like button. If you're on social media, share this show out. Hit the retweet button for us. Let's get as many people in here live as we can. Um, we want to, first of all, go over some MMA topics. And what's crazy is we actually had a couple topics planned out to go ahead and chat about. And right before the show, as these things tend to do, everything either fell apart or exploded. So we're pivoting live on camera for you guys. What just got announced... UFC 272 champion Aljamain Sterling will fight interim champion Piotr Jan for the strap. They made it happen, Lock. The fight is rescheduled. We are ready to go. Uh, how do you feel about this one? And how do you feel about Jan being the interim champion and uh, Aljamain being the uh, the official champion when they announce it? What, what do they call it? Is it is it red tape when we have that type of shit where like Aljo is just sitting on the sidelines? We know Piotr Jan is like the legitimate champion here, but given the circumstances, he had to go fight uh, who do you, who do you, uh, Corey Sandhagen yeah. had to go fight him to to claim his gold once again, but. But uh, we all know who the rightful champion is at this point. But I'm glad that they finally got it made, right? Like, it's been a couple times that they tried to book this. Uh, I believe it was uh, Sterling's neck or neck injury. He was not able to get cleared from uh, certain commissions. Uh, so they had to continuously push it back. Um, from what I'm hearing, he's finally, you know, full contact sparring, all that stuff now. So uh, the, the timing of this uh, of this announcement is perfect. Uh, what is that, two months away, like two full months away until that fight? I think that's more than enough time for for preparations. Not to mention, they've already prepared for each other in the past. Now it's all on Aljamain Sterling to see how he's going to change his game plan, change his approach, now that he knows what it's like to be in there with a killer like uh, with, uh, Piotr Young. And did I pick Aljamain Sterling last time? Yeah. Did he try to use the game plan that I thought he was going to use to win? Yeah. Did it work out? No. The guy did not have the gas tank to go out there and try to outpoint uh, Purion and outvolume him for 25 minutes. So am I going to uh, pick Aljamain Sterling again? More than likely not. But I'm just glad that we're finally going to get some uh, legit uh, you know, justice, whatever you want to call it, back in the 135-pound division with Piotr Jan back at the top because there's a couple other guys creeping up in that division that I can't wait to see him fight. Uh, but let's just get this over with. It's just, you know, got to do it. <laughs> got to get I, out I of the way. You. I hear you, man. And I, I just want some closure. Like, I just want some closure on this fight. The way that it ended that first time, like, 
you know, we've all seen crazy stuff happen in MMA, and that's why we love the dang sport, right? But something like an illegal knee and a guy that shouldn't have gotten the strap getting anointed the champion, and now how long it's taken for them to sort it all out, like – I'm over it. Like I want to see, I want to see them rematch. I want to see somebody either tap or go unconscious. This thing needs to end and it needs to be done definitively. And that way the guy who is just the placeholder can hang on to that belt for a month or two until my guy TJ Dillashaw comes in and hey. the floor with him. <laughs> Look at Clint over here already, already looking further ahead. This guy's already two, three steps ahead. You really think TJ will get the will get a title shot uh, after this matchup? I absolutely do. I, I yeah. think TJ is uh, is going to get the title shot, and it, whether or not he wins, like obviously I'm having a little bit of fun. Uh, I don't know if he's actually going to get the belt back, but man, lock TJ's just one of those guys that I've learned you don't doubt. Like he he came back from a crazy injury. He came back from what Corey, Corey Sanhagen did to him and kept that fight tight and close. It may have been. You know, some people called that fight a robbery, but the fact of the matter is it was close and he was doing it on one knee. So, like, the, that guy is a guy that you just don't fuck with. And I think that anybody doubting him moving forward is is making a mistake. I'd, I'd probably bet on TJ Dillashaw in any other fight other than Pure Young. Let's just put it that way. I think I, Jan has officially won me over. I thought Corey Sandhagen would be his toughest test. Uh, TJ Dillashaw could make things interesting as well. But I think with the confidence and the way that Pierre Jan fights, I, I think the guy rules the division for a long time. Yeah, and see, that's where, honestly, man, that's one thing that I would be tempted again on TJ just because everybody thought that Jan couldn't handle the grappling of Aljamain Sterling and he showed he can. And then everybody thought, you know what? He can't handle the rangy striking of a guy like Sanhagen. Well, he can. TJ's right smack in the middle of those two. He mixes yeah. the wrestling and the grappling. He's a far more well-rounded MMA fighter and he's going to keep Jan guessing and he's got the cardio to hang with him for 25 minutes. That's the guy I would bet against Piotr Jan. So I, you know, you know, I love my islands, man. We'll see what happens if he gets to that spot, but I'm, I'm ready for TJ to make another comeback. <laughs> Obviously odds dependent, right? We got to see where odds they put, put these odds at. And again, I might be suckered into betting TJ Dillashaw as well. If he's like plus 200 plus 250 or something like that. But again, it's a numbers game at the end of the day. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, there was one more matchup announced for that card, which goes on March 5th, UFC 272. Max Holloway, I think this might be the first time ever somebody in the chat could possibly correct me here. That's somebody that's 0-2 in a trilogy getting their the trilogy matchup. And you got Holloway taking on Alexander Volkanovsky here for a third time. Obviously, he dropped the first two fights. I believe the second fight was much closer uh, or at least more of an argument for Holloway winning than the first fight. Uh, so it kind of makes sense as to why they're doing it. But again, uh, Holloway achieved God mode against Calvin Cater last year <laughs> in January. And then he goes out there and beats uh, Yaya Rodriguez. Not as much of a minus 600 performance as most people were expecting it to be, but still gets his hand raised. And you can't deny the guy, right? He's one of the best and greatest featherweights of all time. And mm -hmm. all those matchups with Vol Volkanovsky, all 10 rounds have been hella competitive every single second. So... I'm down with it. You know what I mean? There's not often you can make an argument for somebody going 0-2 and deserving another crack at that person. Another person that could potentially do that is Valentin Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes, especially now with Nunes losing, right? So uh, very much looking forward to that. But this fight specifically, whew, <laughs> I'm in, right? I'm in. I love it. I love it, man. I am so in for that. And I, I'm a I'm a Max Holloway stan. And I feel like he should have won that second fight. I'm I'm one of those people that that scored it for Max Holloway in the second one. So I feel like they should be one one and we should be getting the trilogy match anyway. So I'm all about Max getting that shot. And I mean, geez, when nobody's knocked out Volkanovsky and the fact that he had him on skates and almost put him away, I think it was in the second round of that fight. Like, yeah, give give my guy another crack. Max Holloway is uh is Getting close to being the GOAT if he gets his hand back on that belt defeating Volkanovski. I think he pretty much secures his position there as the, the greatest of all time in that weight class. Yeah, the, the last question about this regarding that matchup is what else do you do with Holloway, right? Like he can go up to 155 and fight somebody up there, but his last track to 155 didn't go the greatest against Dustin Poirier. Is it money fights if he loses this fight? Like what what is there left for Max Holloway to do? Just give him I a mean, fucking title shot. 
wait until Volkanovsky retires and then take the belt from the next guy. Like that's uh, he's young, dude. Like Max Holloway, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's not that old. So, you know, Volkanovsky is the guy who's, who's maybe going to hang it up or, or move up a weight class or something. Max can just hang around, keep, keep having fun fights, cash and checks. And then when your opportunity arises, spring on that title shot, because it's, it's Volk and Max and then nobody like that gap between one, two, and three is is massive in that weight class. So, yeah, man, I, I don't know what else you do with Max Holloway, but like you mentioned, those fights have been super competitive, super entertaining every single time they put them together. Why not do the rubber match? It's it's not like we're having a staring contest, you know, for, for two full straight fights, and then they're going to do a third one and nobody wants to see it. Now, those fights are fun. Yeah, uh, I do want to shout out my guy Evan L here saying Ortiz and Chuck had three with Tito losing the first two. Uh, my memory is super shaky on that era, uh, so somebody might have to fact check that unless you know it yourself, Clint. But yeah, uh, th- that could be the other one that that, that sounds uh, after looking. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, the other thing that was kind of rocking the news waves over the last couple of weeks was obviously Jake Paul's demands to Mr. Dana White himself. Um, the, the kind of proposition that he put out there was saying he will retire from boxing and fight Masvidal if the UFC can meet some of his demands, which are they want $50,000 uh, base pay for every single fighter. He wants every fighter to get 50% of the annual revenue. And then they also want long-term healthcare. And then he put out a bit of a call to action to the fighters, kind of just telling them to toughen up and grow some balls and, and try to, you know, um, stand up for themselves essentially. But we've seen it kind of happen in the past, Clint. Remember, do you remember the MMAAA? (laughs) The Mixed Martial Athletes Association? And who was heading it? Who was the... Who were the poster boys for that? Bjorn Rebney, TJ yep. Dillashaw, George St. Pierre, Cain Velasquez, Don- Donald Cerrone. And the reason I leave Donald Cerrone last is because it was hilarious. I plead for anybody that's watching this, Google Donald Cerrone Fighter Union. And the first four articles that pop up, the first one is Donald Cerrone can't wait to be the head of a fighter's union, not scared of the UFC. Next one, Dana White explains Donald Cowboy Cerrone apologizing to him and backing out of the fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> dude, Cerrone, chill out first and foremost. Yeah, I mean, he's literally all talk at that point. Uh, and then as soon as the boss comes knocking, he's like, hey, dude, you forgot all those bonuses we gave you. You forgot all those fight of the nights, performance of the nights, knockout of the nights that we yep. gave you. And now you're coming against us. And he's like, oh, my bad, Dana. My bad, Dana. My bad. And then he backs out of it. And then where is the MMAAAAAA at? Nowhere. <laughs> They're nowhere. They, they, they closed up shop just as every other one closed up shop i think jake shields was a part of one kong lee was a part of one like there were so many that popped up that nobody's gonna really get behind the stuff anymore the only person the only person that can have any type of pull here is the irishman the conor mcgregor i got a little bit of a a plaque up here when i went to go watch him knock out jose aldo but um that's the only guy that can do anything and he's chilling on his lambo yacht right now he doesn't give a fuck he doesn't care. He's making racks right now. Anytime he steps back into the cage, he's fighting and he's making a ton of money. Why does he care about what the other guy's making? He does not. I, I saw. I forgot who it was. Jake Paul. Actually, it was Jake Paul that started tagging fighters under that post. One of the names that he put, and somebody pointed it out, Rose Nama Yunus. What the fuck is Rose going to do? What is Rose going to do? That's a great out? question. Right? <laughs> Again, I think it's nonsensical. I think it's just Jake Paul getting his name out there. He knows these demands cannot be met. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Danny even talked about how one of the main guys that works for Jake Paul used to be the accountant or chief financial officer over there at the UFC. That guy knows that it can't be done, yet they still put out so they go look good. They get some support from the fighters. But at the end of the day, we're going to close up shop. We're going to move on, and we're going to continue watching every single UFC card like we do, and the fighters are going to continue to get underpaid. The only thing that will fix this is if Connor does it or if there's another successful MMA promotion that will do the 50-50 revenue split, all that type of stuff. But they're going to have to go through the first four or five years of not making any money, making less money than they've ever made in their life. Yep. And then they'll eventually start making money. But... I don't see it happening, Clint. I Man, Locke, I don't know what you're talking about. Jake Paul is the hero that MMA needs right now. <laughs> He's yeah. He is the MMA fighter's biggest 
fan. So I, I don't know, man. I know this is all smoke and mirrors. I know I know this is all an opportunity for Jake Paul to get some free press because, like you said, it's never going to happen. And they're not going to let him in the cage with Masvidal just to kind of make this thing go away. Dana White is a master at running his business and deflecting the things that he doesn't want to deal with. And if you noticed in his response, he made sure to like steer away from some of the fighter pay things. And he's like, I said that you had to get drugged. Like he turns it back on Jake, but Dana White, is a politician. I know the man is a fan of Donald Trump. I feel like they've had a couple of training sessions together because the way that he deflects those questions, it's it's masterful, man. Dana White knows every single move that he's making when he's on camera or on the mic. So, you know, good, good on him. But yeah, I, I hope fighter pay goes up. I hope some people do rally behind Jake Paul, if I'm being serious. Like, I honestly hope that some people try to take another swing at it. The union's they don't work, and I think that honestly, the uh, the turnover of MMA fighters is is a little too fast because you've got such a small window to be on top. You know, we don't have that many GSPs, we don't have that many Anderson Silvas. A lot of guys touch gold, and then they're gone the next year because it's 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 hard enough to become a champion. They always say it's even harder to stay the champion and that's the kind of thing is that the ufc is just gonna mill the next guy through as soon as you take a loss if you were the one fighting back you're you're gonna have harder fights you're gonna have tougher matchups you're gonna have to travel halfway across the world for your next fight like they'll find ways to make it tough on you so that you stop complaining <laughs> and uh if you don't you end up like poor mark hunt so yeah man i i hope fighter pay goes the right direction i hope jake paul is successful and as much as I think he's fighting for for good stuff, and because of that, I'm kind of a fan of his at this moment. Um, I do still want to see Masvidal flying me him in the face. <laughs> that would be a great sight, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I really don't <laughs> like. Again, the kind of going off of what you were talking about, the only guy that can take a loss and still have some heat and some fan for behind him is Connor, right? Like more often, yeah. if you take a loss. You're done. That's it. Like everybody stops giving a shit about you. Uh, one other guy that could. Actually, he's not even going to make things interesting, but he will create a little bit of a ripple if it does happen. Is Francis Ngannou? That's kind of like the other fighter that's, you know, causing some disruption with the UFC. Obviously, his management has really been difficult to work with. Apparently, with the UFC, it could be vice versa, depending on how you're looking at it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Francis Ngannou after this fight with Sirogan. Um, Obviously, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are expecting Sirogan to win that fight, but uh, if Francis loses the fight. Uh, I believe it's the last on his contract. He's able to leave if he wants to, but obviously he's not going to have that hype and that 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 crazy aura around him coming off of loss. And I don't think he'll have as much pull after that. I'd be interested to see if he actually ends up leaving the UFC and goes to you know wherever the hell else Bellator try to make some more money or something like that. But go to PFL, be the new Kayla Harrison. You're guaranteed a million bucks <laughs> for the go. next what three years in a row. Like. Who's going to touch Francis Ngannou and PFL? That was our thoughts, Clint. <laughs> For every single UFC fighter that made the jump to PFL, it's never really worked out, has it? No, but when has a champion jumped to PFL lock? True. It's always been people on the skid, people on the decline, people looking for softer matchups that weren't quite there yet. You give me Francis Ngannou in the PFL, and I guarantee he goes back to the highlight reels like when he took out, you know, poor uh, – Poor Overeem's head that's oh, still in the third row I for somebody. Like, I, they've tried to put it. They, they got NASA on it. They got everybody on it. Nobody can find it. So it is what it is. Uberim is back, though. I'm not sure if you saw that clip of him. Holy training. hell. Uberim is back. He found his horses again. All he had to do was get away from USADA, and Uberim is right back in the game. Exactly. <laughs> Hanging out with Vitor Belfort and everything. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh, all right, man. So I think... Uh, I think we covered most of the current running MMA topics besides maybe, you know, Diaz Poirier. That was the other one that we were supposed to chat about and it fell apart. Like, Locke, what is it going to take for these guys to fight? They've been, you know, that there's that video on the internet where they got like the dogs, like all barking, like they're going to attack each other. And it's an automatic fence that like slowly slides open. And then they all just kind of chill as soon as there's nothing between them. That's what I feel like Diaz and Poirier are. They're, they're yapping at each other. They always want a piece of each other. As soon as it comes actually time to fight, 
completely falls apart. <laughs> it's insane. I think the last time you could fact check me on this, but I think the last time they were scheduled to fight was UFC 230 back in November of 2018, where I believe they were scheduled to headline Madison Square Garden as a non-title fight, uh, five rounds, all that. And then I believe about two or three weeks before that, Dustin Poirier unfortunately has to pull out and they were scrambling for a main event and they come up with Daniel Cormier against Derek Lewis <laughs> for uh, Daniel Cormier's first ever title fun. defense uh, <laughs> as the heavyweight champion, you know, quickly after knocking out Stipe Miocic a couple of pay-per-views before that. So uh, yeah, it's hilarious that they keep chirping at each other, but we never get a fight that actually comes to fruition. Um, for me, the fight really doesn't make any sense. You know, I mean, other than like the hype and the trash talk that they've been doing back and forth, it doesn't really make any sense other than if Dustin Poirier just wants money fights. And how long can we continue to drag out this Nate Diaz thing that he's a money fight, <clears throat> especially if he keeps going out there and getting beat? You know what I mean? <clears throat> Lost the... I uh, the Leon Edwards fight, like how much longer can we continue to sustain this? Nate Diaz is, uh, you know, uh, uh, moves the needle as they call is he it. Even I remember that's anymore? what it was back in the day. Sorry. Like now he, he's starting to look like a, uh, a prelim fighter. Like, is he even yeah. a, a big fight anymore, man? Like when was the last time he won a competitive fight? When was the last time we talked about Diaz in the rankings? Like the BMF belt was was a fake belt, something that they threw on the line just so there was some kind of stakes for these 155ers that were pretending had 170 pounds. Like Diaz, I'm sorry, I, I love the Diaz brothers. I feel like the UFC has missed solid gold with those two men. They could have promoted them properly. They could have been something 10 years ago. <laughs> The opportunity has passed. You know, Nick, Nick never should fight in the UFC ever again. Yeah, that Nate, was bad. Nate maybe gets one or two more fights. Let's see the Connor trilogy. I actually would like him to fight Dustin Poirier because they're both these guys at the end of their careers that are trapped between 155 and 170. But Dustin just lost for the title. There's no way he's challenging Kamaru Usman or anything like that at 170. Like these, it's time for the veteran circuit it's time for two or three fun fights and then go smoke as much as you want nate like it's it's just <laughs> we're done like at this point it's past so I, i'm not overly excited about nate diaz these days and honestly the the whole pay me to fight thing lock it's tiresome at this point like if you want to fight fight now don't get me wrong i just advocated for fighter pay i want these guys to make as much money as humanly possible but what i can't stand is the guys that bark and then never show up like i don't think diaz actually wants to fight i know that's dana's favorite line to get somebody to take a pay cut so they'll actually get in the cage but i actually think it's time for nate to be done unless he's got one or two more fights and one of those has got to be connor so i'm just I'm just kind of over it. I'm not going to be excited about Nate until he actually is walking out to the cage. <laughs> Honestly, if I'm Nate Diaz or his manager, I'm just telling him to chill out and wait for the Connor fight. The Connor fight is happening regardless, right? Even if Connor loses, even if Nate loses, whatever the hell it is, I do think that Nate and Connor will still be able to sell a decent amount of pay-per-views. And I do think that uh, that's a, a good enough fight that people will be intrigued and want to see the rubber match, right? They're one, one, that's all it is now who's going to come out on top of the third fight that's yet to be known but uh i feel like that's the only fight that he should stick around for and wait for because that's the biggest money fight that he can get yep. if he continues to take these other money fights whether you want to call it dustin poirier whoever the hell else he's going to lose he's going to continue to lose that steam and that heat and then that connor fight's not going to uh seem as nice anymore so uh yeah get the connor fight then move on from that i will say about poirier though let's do poirier ferguson screw it i'm i'm down with that I'm down with that. I'm I'm here for Poirier Ferguson. I mean, I think Poirier or Ferguson just got a fight lined up, so I I don't know. That's a verbal agreement with Chandler, which I mean, let's be real, nobody really needs to see that. But uh, I would be down for honestly either Poirier or Diaz against Ferguson. They're in the same category. Tony Ferguson is another one of these guys who's a big 155er who kind of is getting to the end of his run. I would see any type of roundtable between those three guys. Yeah, Diaz Ferguson is not a bad idea either. Shout out to my guy, Zach Johnson here. Yeah, I like that. I like that. All right, everybody, that wraps up kind of our chat on current events. And what we have is our very first segment for you to chat about, one that I personally am very, very excited about. 
Brace yourselves for fighter stonks. <laughs> I love cool. the little the change drop at the end. I love it. All right. So the idea behind fighter stonks for everybody is what we're doing is treating UFC fighters like the stock market. We are going to be buying on three fighters for this very first episode of the Deadlock Podcast, and we're going to kind of keep tabs on them throughout the year 2022 and watch them as they ride up and down. And even though at this point we haven't bought anybody, we'll be talking about one fighter who we really want to sell on, someone we're not really interested in buying on. And it's just kind of a discussion of buy low and sell high. What direction do we think these fighters are going in? And we're going to do this one either every episode or every other episode so we can kind of stay on top of what direction we feel like fighters are going and kind of track them going up and down throughout the course of the year should be fun should be fun lock but i think uh you've got an idea as far as how we're going to be uh getting the opportunity to buy our first fighters is that correct yeah that's correct so we we're talking about this the other day and i'm like it would suck if we just showed up and picked the same three fighters like everybody's <laughs> gonna be like hey what what the hell what gives right so uh the idea that i came up with is like if we do it in a draft type of thing right we're gonna pick six fighters total three each but uh let's do it as a draft i pick one fighter that fighter is now off the board you have to pick somebody else personally i have uh two four six eight fighters written down that i'd like to buy and i'm hoping that clint doesn't pick every single one of them uh <laughs> so what i'm going to be doing is actually we're going to flip a coin i got me a nice little quarter here uh courtesy of the canadian government we got a nice little caribou on it for you guys as well but uh i will flip uh clint you will get to choose heads or tails and uh obviously whoever gets it gets to go first so Without further ado, let me. I haven't flipped a coin in how long? So I'm hoping this doesn't ricochet into the other side of the room. I'm but glad you've got one because I don't even have a coin. <laughs> let me get my mic out of the way. So <laughs> let me see how this goes. I want heads. Heads you lock. Call it. You got to call it. There you go. I want heads. I'll call it beforehand. <laughs> the old back of the palm flip. Is it caribou heads or tails, Lock? We don't even know. There, You're a Canadian. We don't know. There's caribou, which is tails, and heads. And this is a heads. Okay, first pick first in the pick. draft, baby. You get first pick. Let's go. All right, first pick of the draft. So the first fighter whose stonk I'm going to be purchasing for my roster here, Locke, uh, is, you know, maybe I should get one that's a little more popular or something, someone that you might try to steal because I don't know. But the one I want is Askar Askarov. I'm taking Askar Askarov is my first fighter stonk that I'm buying on. Now, this is an example of a minus 300 bet where I feel like there's line value. The guy should be minus 500 or minus 600. Askar is currently ranked second in the challengers list at flyweight behind only Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. But I believe that if there's anybody who's going to take the strap at flyweight from my guy, Brandon Moreno, it will be Askar Askarov. And even if he doesn't, I feel like he's going to hold that number two or number three spot for the next two, three, four years. I don't think there's any stopping Askar Askarov and he's going to put a deadlock on that spot. He's going to be the ultimate gatekeeper or the champion at flyweight. That's my first pick. All right, I will stick with the Russian theme here. I'm actually going to go with my guy, Magomed Ankalaev. I've been Ooh. a big fan of his since he's come into the UFC. Obviously, kind of stumbled in his debut for the last second of that fight against Paul Craig, where he gets tapped out. Uh, but he was pretty much winning that fight, was ready to take home that decision victory. Paul Craig does what Paul Craig does and uh, chokes him out there. But since then, has a kind of flawless right like he he's he's not the most exciting fighter sure he knocks out Ion kutalaba and you know uh has a kind of boring ish decision fights against guys like nikita krilov but the guy has it man he's very technical he can fight properly out of both stances uh decent takedown game if that's where he needs to go but his bread and butter is that striking game and good lord is he lethal with it so uh i'm very big on uh uncle live here um i even tweeted out a little bit earlier saying that uh uh, I believe he will be the champ by the end of this year. Um, but we'll see how active the champions remain here, right? We got Glover and Yuri Prohaska coming up. I'm not even sure if that's announced, uh, but I'm sure whoever wins that fight, hopefully they stay active enough. And hopefully Uncle Ev, I believe he's scheduled to fight Santos in March. If he wins that fight, I think he gets a title shot. And I think uh, we see him capture the title after that as well. Whether it's Glover Teixeira, whether it's Yuri Prohaska, they're going down and Uncle Ev is going to win that fight regardless. <laughs> what do you got next? 
I like it. I like it. All right, man. For my second selection on Fighter Stonks, I'm going to be taking the machine, Marab Vashvili. I am. Uh, I was honestly a little bit nervous taking this guy number two. I thought he felt like a great value pick, and I thought that there's a chance that you might try to snake in there and snag him. Um, currently ranked number six is Marab Vashvili, and I think that at Bantamweight, he is going to be an absolute problem. The man's gas tank never ends. I know he had a little bit of a scare his last fight against Magic Marlon Marais, but he showed us how deep his heart is, the way that he could get through that first rough round and then come back and put a beating on a veteran and uh, former title contender type of fighter. I am nothing but impressed with Marab Dashvili, I think we're going to see good things from him. And especially once this current crop of Bantamweights kind of circulates through that title picture, I think he's going to be the next man up. So we kind of talked about Aljo and, uh, you know, Dillashaw. You know, we got to get through all those guys, of course, obviously. But as soon as those fights happen, I think Marab is going to be kind of your third or fourth title contender. Maybe one or two fights coming up between those. And I just see him being a problem for a long time in the future, Locke. So I definitely want to buy in on Marab Dashvili. I like it. I like it. Uh, surprisingly, I didn't have either of those guys listed, and I don't know how I didn't. Yeah, you know I mean, I I was going through the rankings, I was looking at everybody, and I'm like, <laughs> how did I miss Askarov and Valish? Really, but those are great selections. Uh, but luckily, they're not on my list. Who I'm going we, up? We should next. just be doing this for every weight class. Lock <laughs> is what we need yeah. to do in the future because there's too many damn fighters. Like we're yeah, worried exactly. about like stealing each other's picks, and we're nowhere near on yeah. the same page here. <laughs> well, I'm surprised this guy dropped to number four. Uh, you probably could have gone number one. Hamzat Shemaev. I'm taking Shemaev as my second spot here. Now, I know his his price is probably already high considering uh, how high everybody's already on him. But I'm th thinking like this guy, title shot ready by the end of the year if he can stay active enough. Hopefully, he's truly beaten that COVID battle. We saw him get back in the cage. We saw him dismantle Lee Jingliang. Hopefully, he gets another two or three fights under his belt this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does find himself in a title shot by year's end. So, uh, yeah, I like the I like the value that I'm getting on Shemayev nice and early here in the year because uh, the man has championship potential by the end of the year. So, yeah, I got uh, Shemayev as my second pick. I think that's fair, man. I absolutely think that's fair. Now, you know what? We're going to have to tweak the rules of this thing a lot because this is definitely not going the way that I had anticipated it to. We only get three selections, and so far I've done two kind of chalky ones. There are so many other fighters out there. You mentioned Hamzat. Like, I was trying to kind of steer away from the, you know, tip-top, everybody-knows-these-names, trying to be a little bit different. Um, and, and because of that, I left one right on the table for you, just an amazing selection for your second fighter stock. And I I'm think that, Sorry, I think the only ground rules we kind of set for each other was they can't be uh, scheduled for a title shot already, and they can't be champion. Exactly. And we've got every single division on the board. So, like, it was just, you know, a wild west out here with this thing. Like I said, we're going to have to, you know, go back to the drawing board and kind of narrow this thing down. I think by, by like, mid-year, this is going to be really fun because then we will have a list of the fighters that we're buying and selling on. The first couple episodes as we get yeah. rolling with it, it's going to be a little rough because there's so many fighters out there that we should be buying on like we're talking about. And so I'm going to roll the dice just a tid little bit here on this one again lots of options where i could be kind of laying the wood instead i'm gonna pivot completely off that i'm gonna go for somebody unranked i'm gonna go for somebody who's down on the list but i expect to skyrocket over the next two years and that is jeff molina El Jefe. Give me El Jefe. I love this kid. I love what James Krause is doing with this kid. I, on my podcast, have talked about how James Krause is such an amazing coach. He's done incredible things with relatively mediocre fighters. He's taking medium skill fighters and turning them into solid fighters. Jeff Molina might be his first young talent. Jeff Molina might be the first kid who's got the tools, who's got the skills, and he's in that place with a genius level coach who's going to work with him for years to come. I think we can expect to see big things from Jeff Molina if he stays with James Krause, and I don't think he has any plans of going anywhere. So give me the dark horse. Give me El Jefe, Jeff Molina. I like it. I like it. Shout out to El Jefe as well. Uh, I, I will kind of go with your uh, line of thinking. Somebody that might not be ranked, somebody that not a lot of people are talking about, but somebody that really uh, kind of blasted onto the scene, at least for me, in 2021. And I think he's going to have a very successful 2022 
Nasruddin Imovov will be my third selection. I really like the improvements that we saw from him in the Ian Heinish fight. That's and then pick. obviously his dismantling of Edmund Shabazi in uh, late last year as well. Uh, I think the kid's going to have a solid 2022. Not to mention, he might be uh, in the same stable as the heavyweight champion come uh, January 22nd if Cyril Ghosn can get his hand raised against Francis Ngannou. But uh, I think Imovov, uh, great striking skill set. It seems like he's finally working on getting out of bad positions up against the cage. If he continues to improve his takedown defense as well, I think his striking could give a lot of people problems and the man is very very rangy as well and i think he uses that very effectively against his opponents yeah i love me some nasardine imovov and uh i thought i'd just laid out for the for the folks here as well uh i wish he came out looking a little bit nicer than that but is what it is clint is on askarov davosvili melina i'm on ankalaev chimaev and imovov i'm on the it seems like i'm on like the dagestaniest train there with all the ovs <laughs> that i got going on here UFC is on the Dagestani train, man. You're there not you alone in that. Um, and shout out Rick Sanchez and uh, Derek Wilcox in the chat here. Haven't you seen my TikTok? Don't you know that I'm like the number <laughs> one Sean O'Malley hater on the planet? By the way, shout out to the people of TikTok because like, <laughs> I made this TikTok making fun of Sean O'Malley and it's got over 180,000 thousand views wow. and daily i get notifications and comments about how fat i am and how i couldn't hold a candle to sean i'm like you people are still on about this i made that thing like two months ago how is this still circulating no that's I evergreen think, uh... content for you right there clint just evergreen <laughs> content just conor mcgregor sean o'malley say those names yep. and you will go viral I'm just going to shit on Sean O'Malley every chance I get, regardless of how I actually feel about him, because it's good for clicks. No, um, so next up, what we've got to do is we're going to sell on one fighter. And like I said last time, this is more of a stock market concept. Obviously, we are actually buying on fighters, keeping track of the fighters that we're buying on, and we can maybe sell on them later on down the road. But for the sake of conversation, we are going to sell on a couple of fighters each show to make sure we can kind of talk about it. And uh, Locke, why don't we pass it over to you? Why don't you sell first? Who you got that you're uh, waving the white flag on? The funny thing is when we came up with this segment, um, I originally it was just about buying fighters. And then I came up with the idea of selling a fighter because of one specific fighter that came to mind for me. And I think in 2022, this guy has a, a huge hype train riding on him. Uh, he even has bar stool behind him now as well. Ooh. I think Mr. Patty Pimblett is not going to have a great 2022. I don't think he's that great of a fighter as much as people are making him out to be. I think that he'll either go one and one this year, or I think you'll have more losses than wins this year. I think I'm going to be selling Patty Pimblett this year. I think people are just going to be a little bit too, you know, they'll they'll know what I'm talking about once this guy starts stepping in the cage against like legit competition here. That is that is a bold call, Locke. I I love it. I love it, especially with Barstool riding right behind the guy. That is a ballsy take to say that he's going to have a down year right after landing that kind of a sponsorship. Uh, that that's why he's as high as he is right now the guy just has everybody on his coattails right now but i think that once he starts losing which is not out uh, of the possibility like the guy you know he leaves a lot of openings to get uh, to get hit and, and and to lose fights and i think that we'll see this year that uh that aura of mr uh patty pimler is going to get shattered okay okay uh i want to shout out my guy evan l in the chat real quick blanchfield and marina um Hopefully Locke doesn't steal them from me because those were the next two. They're on my, on my list. list. They're if, on my list. If he took any of the people that I was going to target, Blanchfield and Marina were the next two that I was going to. So don't worry. We haven't forgotten them. They're being watched. <laughs> exactly. I, I had, uh, yeah, I had, um, uh, what's your face? Blanchfield on my, on my, uh, on my paper as well. I absolutely have Blanchfield on my list. All right. So for me, uh, selling on a fighter and, you know, Locke with the kind of, steaming boiling hot take that you just gave us i think i have to have one similarly spicy and i think what i'm gonna do lock is say that i am selling on marlon chito vera mm. marlon vera is currently ranked number eight at bantamweight and 
he's a guy that has basically been able to just out physical every man in front of him. And we saw him go from kind of a, a young jujitsu player to this marauding powerhouse over the last couple of years. And he's kind of cracked the top 10, finally made it to the point where everybody's super hyped on him. He got the rub from knocking out Sean O'Malley and he damn near got a title shot. If it wasn't for getting backpacked by Jose Aldo, and you know what? I just kind of think he's peaked, Luck. I, I don't think he is exceptionally skilled on the feet. He is a marauder. He is physically powerful. The striking is coming along well. He's got a good gas tank. Like, he's got the pieces. But look at some of the names ahead of him. Aljamain Sterling, Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, Corey Sandhagen, Marab. Like, these are all fighters that I would take over uh, Cheeto Vera. I feel like he can be grinded on by the better wrestlers. I think he can be out-slicked on the feet by the better strikers. And as long as you don't have a chin or a gas tank issue, you can just be a better mixed martial artist this, than this guy for 15 or 25 minutes. I think that he's got a lot of tough outs in the division ahead of him. And maybe the only guy that I would bet him over is Dom Cruz. And hell, he might not even be able to catch Dom Cruz with that footwork. So I, I'm I'm selling on Marlon Chito Vera luck. I don't mind that, man. I've never been high on Cheeto myself, so I kind of smiled as soon as you said Cheeto. I'm like, yes, another one on my side here. I don't know why everybody's so big on him. I get it. Like, you know, the guy's a fun fighter. He was on Joe yep. Rogan's podcast. He has a great story, all that. As a as a person, love the guy. Great heart, all that stuff. But as a fighter, I'm not sold on the guy. You know what I mean? I, I'm really not sold on him. So uh, you can knock out 40-year-old Frankie Edgar as much as you want. Once you start taking legitimate steps up in competition, I will more than likely be fading you, and that's exactly what's going to happen. You're telling me I got Josie although you know at damn good odds against him last year of course i would make that bet over and over again man I, that was that was a weird weird line to me but i was happy to do that there um so yeah that that brings an uh end to the fighter stonks segment because uh, we got two more segments that we want to share with you guys so we're gonna rifle on through them for you guys next up we got something that you guys will probably appreciate more something that you guys came here for first and then we're disappointed but i think we got something here let's get into it It is the deadlock duel. Now, simply put, this is us making picks for the upcoming cards. Uh, something that, you know, we're taking from our legitimate uh, jobs or whatever you want to call it when we're talking about bets and what you guys actually come to us for. So we wanted to add in a little bit of that to keep you guys interested in it and see what our picks are, especially if it's coming out way far in advance from other fight cards, especially with this one, which is not till next weekend. So uh, quick rules. Um, we're going to pick the main event, who we expect to win the main event. And then it is up to us, uh, both of us, to choose one other fighter on the main card that we're going to be rolling with. If it's a favorite, you get one point if they win. If it's uh, an underdog, specifically plus 100 to plus 199, it's two points. If it's plus 200 to plus 299, it's three points. Now, this will occur every three months. So we're going to keep doing it for three months. And then after that, we're going to settle up on a friendly bet. And I think somebody even said it earlier in this. They said we should do a toga bet. I'm not sure how exactly we would do that. I just show up and do one episode in a toga or you do one in a, in a toga. I'm not entirely sure. We still have to figure that out. I look too damn good in a toga to make that a punishment <laughs> lock. That's not a punishment. Exactly. That is not a punishment. That's so a present. Gonna... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, um, we're going to actually leave it up to the chat here. Uh, you know, throughout the next three months, you guys are more than welcome to share uh, what kind of punishment you think the loser should do at the end of the three-month period so um first and foremost we have uh the cater and chikadze card coming up and i'll give you guys my two picks for that uh for the main event we'll start off with that i'm gonna go with uh, giga chikadze i'll take the one point on him if he takes the win there uh stylistically speaking i just think he's bad for cater here um cater has shown issues with dealing with guys that kick a lot and we got a guy in Chicago here whose specialty is kicking, whether it's to the legs or to the body. Uh, I think he'll do a damn good job of keeping the boxing to a minimal here for Cater, which is where he thrives. Uh, and then staying at range, uh, Chikadze should be able to pick him apart, which is why I'm going to take Chikadze here as the favorite. 
and for one point. Uh, and my other fighter, I, I'm trying to find an underdog that I really like here, but I can't do it on the main card. So I'm going to go with Catelyn Chukagian. I feel pretty damn good about her in this spot. Uh, a rematch where she's going to be going up against Jennifer Maya, uh, a fight that took place at UFC 244, where she came out with a unanimous decision win. It hasn't been that long since they fought, and I don't think that neither woman has made uh, you know, a, a huge progression or regression in their skill set to make me think that this fight's going to go any different. So I'm going to go with Catelyn Chukagian and uh, Giga Chikadze as my two deadlock dual picks. Clint, what do you got? All right. So first off, just to kind of recap, we're going to both be picking the main event and then one fight on the main card other than that. So it behooves me by the rules of the game to not pick the same fight as Locke unless I'm going head-to-head with him to take the dog to get a much bigger point swing so that we're not just kind of tying up and trading points back and forth if I want to win the contest. Like Locke said, make sure, now I know a lot of you are in the live chat right now, but come back after the show and put it in the YouTube chat yes. or the, the comments in the YouTube channel so we can go back and read through your ideas of what our punishments and things like that will be. Uh, for the main event I'm not done with my research yet. I, I got kind of a weird feeling on this one, Locke, but I'm going to agree with you on Giga Chikadze. I think the line might be a little bit wide when we go back and talk about betting next week and things like that. I'll have some more things to say about this one, but at the end of the day, I think the Georgian Warriors role, I think Giga Chikadze probably gets his hand raised. So I will agree to you on that one, and we'll just be uh, basically washing on that particular pick. For my second pick, I am going to go to a, a guy that I just can't get enough of lock. And kind of like you, I'm struggling with underdogs on this first one. Got to finish my research. I'm sure I'll find a few. Uh, but give me Raw Dog. Give me Brandon Roy Val. I fully expect him to go out there and live up to my personal expectations for him. This is a championship caliber fighter and only the very elite of the division are going to stop my man. And as much as I think Rogerio Bontorin is a tough and uh, durable opponent, he's not the elite of the division. I think Raw Dog gets his hand raised. That'll be my second pick for the contest. I like it. I like it. Um, I, I was going to pick Raw Dog as my other selection as well. If you had gone first and uh, and picked somebody else, I probably would have gone with Raw Dog. <laughs> but I do like uh, Chukagin a little bit more uh, than Raw Dog in this situation. So I'm glad for that. So for those keeping score, we both got Giga. That will be a wash no matter how that goes. Uh, now I'm on Chukagin and he's on Roy Val. And we will uh, re, uh, rejig the scoring uh, in the next episode, which will be two weeks from now. All right. Now the last segment that we got for you guys. I'm very excited about this one, and I can't wait to get into it. Let's let's do it. Let's get deep. Shout out to my guy, Doc Willis. <laughs> if anybody watches the Bad Friends podcast, anybody is a comedian, or sorry, a, a fan of comedy, you guys know who Doc Willis is, but I reached out to him. That was the only guy I could think of to do the beginning of that for us, and he did it perfectly. So what we're going to be doing, I'll give you guys the, the, the back story here. Uh, my wife got us a nice little fun gift for Christmas uh, called, it's, a, it's like a card game, like Cards Against Humanity, but it's called Let's Get Deep, Questions for Couples. And Shout out, what let's better... Get deep. Me and me and Clint are now a couple, essentially. So I thought it would be a great idea for us to go out there and uh, try to get to know each other a little better. You know, get a little bit deeper with one of another. Uh, Dan, Danny, guy, Danny Lopez. <laughs> exactly. We're trying to have some fun out here, guys. So what I'm going to be doing, as you guys can see, there's a ton of cards in here. What I'm going to be doing every episode is pretty much just picking a random one, and we're going to answer it. It should allow for some comedy. It should allow for some more light being shed on both me and Clint, let you guys get to know us a little bit better and, uh, you know, humanize us a little bit more. And I think that was kind of the goal at the end of the day here. And I think that people would really enjoy it. Clint, you want to add something for, there? For the record, this was Locke's idea. My idea. Locke's idea. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what any of these cards say. So brace yourselves. <laughs> there you guys go. I will say this. So they have they have three tiers. The first is called Icebreaker. The second is called uh, Deep. And then the third one is called Deeper. So me and Clint, we'll, we'll go through Icebreaker to begin with here. And we'll see how that goes. With So uh, I'm just going to randomly pick a card. Here we go. So we got, uh, let me get it out of goddamn box. All right. Damn, they pack these things tight. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> all right. So I got a couple icebreaker cards here, as you guys can see. 
I'm just going to pick one. First one I got. And Clint, you're going to answer this first. So you're on the board here. All right. Nice and easy. Like I said, icebreaker. Nice and easy. What's your favorite song of all time? Oh, okay. So they, all right, all right. I was like bracing myself. I, even icebreaker, I was expecting something a little more spicy than that. Oh, wait Um, till we get deeper, Clint. Wait, wait till we, so years from now, we're going to get deeper. (laughs) So that's my question. Are we doing like one from each category per show? Are we just doing one single card? One question shouldn't be more than five, 10 minutes, unless a good story comes of it that we can expand upon. More than happy to do that. But we will stay with Icebreaker until we get through all the cards. Then we'll get deep, which won't be till like next year, late next year, depending on how many shows we do. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Um, This is a really hard question for me. Because there are a lot of songs that are that like speak to my soul. Um, like if you haven't seen Encanto, if anybody hasn't watched the new movie Encanto, every single song on that movie is fantastic. No, but I, I, picking like my number one favorite song of all time, like you've got to go to a song that speaks to your soul. You've got to go to a song that you sing at the top of your lungs from your belly, no matter how many people are around you if you hear it on the radio so i mean there's only one option for me Locke, and and there's a lot of music that i will sing my ass off to regardless of who's around me but there's one song that i will belt can i can i guess it just before like go for it there's two songs that i feel is like the white person anthem there's two oh, songs all right there's there's uh don't stop believing shit <laughs> don't tell me that was the one <laughs> was that the one that's the one <laughs> it's gotta be it's gotta be don't stop believing. <laughs> I told you it's the white person anthem. Literally, the white person anthem is don't what was stop the other believing. One? Uh the other one was was gonna be Bohemian Rhapsody. Okay, okay. So that's a good song, but it's not on the same level. It's definitely gotta be uh don't stop believing for me. I am I am a member of the whitest kids you know. So yeah, I will, you know, fit right into there. Uh, the other one that's a little bit maybe less like mainstream that I was going to go with is uh, Dear Agony by Breaking Benjamin. I wish I knew that, but I don't. <laughs> Google it after the show. It's a jam. That's a good one. I'll say this. When it really occurred to me that that Don't Stop Believing is the white person anthem is when I used to work for the score fighting series and Josh Hill, uh, Josh Hill, you guys know me, used to be on the Ultimate Fighter, now a Bellator fighter. Um, he always used to come out to that song. And he would, you know, sometimes main event the card. And anytime that song would start, the whole crowd, yep. whether they were into the show or not, just starts belting it out, just like you're saying. So that, that kind of tipped me off to it. It's uh, it, it, The other thing it does for me, though, is not necessarily just white, but Vegas. If you ever oh, go to Vegas and Don't Stop Believing comes on, the casino shakes the other one is sweet caroline <laughs> everyone will sing to sweet caroline in vegas bum, bum, bum. there you go <laughs> uh I, I just like you i had a very tough time that uh there's there's three songs that i settled on i can't settle on one there's three songs oh, that i love equally as much and i will still sing from beginning to end word for word at the top of my lungs all the time uh first power trip by j cole and miguel if anybody knows that song, love that song. Secondly, Childish Gambino, uh, Red Bone, if anybody knows that song, shout out to you guys. And thirdly, uh, I'd have to go with Jet Fuel by the late great Mac Miller for anybody that loves them, Mac Miller. Clint, that look on your face says you have no idea what any of those songs are. Not a single one of them. <laughs> Clint, my, my goal for this podcast is to you know, urban you up a little bit. You know what I mean? Get you, get you <laughs> with the cool kids, sit you over at the cool kids table and get you up to speed with what's hip nowadays. Or, you know, back when I was growing up to in, in high school and stuff like 10 years ago. You know, Locke, I really appreciate that because uh, I was about as whitewashed growing up as it got. Like I could still probably recite to you Weird Al's Albuquerque from start to finish. <laughs> like that was, that was my music. I know nothing. So yeah, urban me the hell up, man. I'm, I'm here for it. And I'm, I'm not going to return the favor. I will not try to rub my whiteness off on you. That, that's what my in-laws are for. Anytime I go out to Saskatchewan, I told you, I think I, I've told plenty of people this. I've even shared a picture of 
of it. I did a podcast in it. My mother-in-law's shrine to Weird Al. She has a whole room dedicated to him where I she has like it. a whole wall full of his album covers. She has like a uh, an accordion, whatever the hell that is, signed by him, all that stuff. Uh, so, so yeah, I get enough of my whiteness whenever I go out there to, to Saskatchewan and enjoy my time over there. I love it just as the same uh, growing up in a pro- predominantly brown area up here in the, in the Toronto area. So uh, yeah. Uh, see, it wasn't that bad. You, going into this, you look like you were like going to share your deepest, darkest secrets. We'll get there eventually, <laughs> but not this early. Got to gotta save a little bit of a tease for down the road, right? Exactly. I like it. I like it. Locke, that was fun, and I'm honestly really proud of us. We only went about three minutes over stream. <laughs> we started a couple minutes late, so... You know, technically we're over by about five minutes or so. We want to keep this bad boy down to about an hour for easy listening for the people. Uh, but that's uh, that was a pretty awesome first episode, Locke. My face hurts from smiling and laughing throughout the show, which means uh, I feel like we did a pretty good job. <laughs> Dude, I'm right there with you. And it seems like the chat is loving and eating it up too, which is kind of like indicator number one is, is this show going to work or not? And just based on what these guys are saying, I think it's going to work, man. I think they I enjoy think the, the the segments and and uh, kind of our banter back and forth. And we just have ga- great chemistry, right? Like uh, whenever we do streams, man, it just feels nice and easy. I know we're both nervous going into this, but as it started rolling, as we started getting through each segment and stuff, it felt like it was easier and easier. And the next time we step into this chair, which I believe was going to be January 19th, Wednesday, January 19th at 7 p.m., uh, Eastern and 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, I think we won't have those butterflies going into it. I think we're just going to look forward to having another great show and just chopping it up and shooting the shit. Nailed it, man. The first one ripping off that Band-Aid is always the uh, the tough one and definitely eased into it as we started chatting. So I uh, very much enjoyed the first show. I hope you did as well. Everybody in the chat, thank you so much for showing up and uh, hanging with us for the first episode of the Deadlock Podcast. Uh, if there's anything that you really liked, uh, make sure you let us know in the comment section of this YouTube video. If there's anything that you want us to log away for future ideas, make sure you post that down there below. And of course, give us those punishment suggestions so we know what you, what embarrassing thing you want to see us do when we lose on the deadlock duel. I will say this. I have a very bad gag reflex with eating weird shit like drinking Pause. shoeys, all that type of stuff. You know what I mean? But like, what should, I saw somebody suggest shoeys when we brought up the thing. I'm like, oh, nah, I'm not drinking beer out of shoes. I'll leave that to the other people. You know, so if anything includes eating or drinking something nasty, count me out. Let's try to keep out that type of disgusting stuff. Other I am a thousand percent with you. Let's, let's kibosh the food. We're not eating or drinking anything nasty. I don't need to be sick for the next three days after doing the exactly. show. And uh, my boy Boston Nick has these shoeys down already i don't need to encroach on his territory so anything not food related (laughs) right there right there awesome man all right well that's the show folks as always you can find us both online i know myself uh lock as well instagram twitter youtube we've got all the different outlets i'm at diehard mma pod and of course the diehard mma podcast will be going ahead as planned as well as lock shows this is not taking the place of any of our content this is a new additional show that we're going to be doing for you folks so uh hope you enjoyed that give us a follow lock tell them where they can find you as well and we'll wrap this bad boy up yeah, if you're watching this, you already know where to find me because we're already on my channel. So right. uh, if you guys haven't already, please do hit that subscribe, hit that like. Uh, and then I do have our social medias tagged in the description below as well. Like Clint said, you guys can find us on Instagram and Twitter. For me personally, it's at MMALOT on, on everything. Uh, me and Clint both changed our, our profile pictures yesterday almost at the same time. And I think it's throwing everybody off because they're just looking for that white and black for, for Clint and they're looking for that gold and black for me. But now they, they got, you guys got to see our ugly mugs all over Twitter as well too. So make sure you guys hit us with the follow there and most importantly make sure you guys check out deadlock podcast all of that stuff uh link is in the description below subscribe to the new channel which we'll be moving over to in march and then obviously the twitter and instagram accounts i think we had 260 followers on twitter before we did the first show uh and we barely tweet off that uh that that account right now so appreciate everybody that showed the initial support there and we hope to grow this into a much bigger wider audience and and just have more and more fun hopefully on a weekly basis if this continues to take off but i got a damn good feeling after this first episode deadlock podcast a thousand years a thousand years hundred episodes deadlock podcast let's go where's my rick and morty fans in the chat (laughs) we did not settle 
on an outro or a saying or a slogan or anything like that. So one day we no will. One day we will. So I'll, I'll leave it up to your geniuses. You're you're the you're the better guy with the the vocabulary and all that shit. Let's 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 leave it to you. You know what? Let's wrap this bad boy up. Tie your shoelaces, wipe your asses. We'll see you next time on the Deadlock Podcast.